The Supreme Court of Appeal overturned the Pretoria High Court judgment and it found that Judge Togozile Masipa incorrectly applied principles of uh, Dolas Eventualis. Now, Judge Eric Leach found that uh, the failure by Judge Masipa to take into account the evidence of uh, police ballistics experts Major uh, Major Chris Mangena um, must be regarded as an error of law. And to talk to us more about this, we joined on the line now by criminal law expert William Booth. Thanks for your time once again. Mr. Booth? Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Welcome to the okay. show. No, thanks. I said, I said hi. Good morning. Well, uh, just looking at uh, what happened yesterday, lots of talk. But um, where does this leave Oscar Pistorius right now in terms of recourse? Well, he can't go anywhere at this stage other than to await the date uh, that will be set by the Registrar of the uh, North Harting High Court for the uh, sentencing proceedings to commence afresh in light of the uh, Supreme Court of Appeals ruling that he's guilty of murder. Um, And if he has to take this matter any further, it, it can only be to the Constitutional Court, and I don't believe there is a constitutional aspect. But having said that, should he be sentenced um, again and be sentenced to a lengthy period of imprisonment, he would have the right to apply for leave to appeal on the severity of the sentence. So that aspect could go back to the Supreme Court of Appeal um, you know, after the, after the sentencing proceedings in, in, in light of the murder charge. So um, he is currently out on parole. So how does this affect those conditions? Well, he's out serving the sentence that Judge Masipa imposed. In other words, he's under correctional supervision, house arrest. So there's some people who say, well, hang on, that uh, sentence uh, now is technically set aside because he's got to be resentenced. So he should then be uh, arrested and brought to court and he can apply for bail. Other other, uh, thought is that, uh, well, you know, he is serving a sentence and he should remain under that uh, sentence uh, under those conditions, uh, including house arrest, and a date should then be fixed with all parties when he would go back to court, where the court would now deal with the sentence afresh. So I think, you know, just, it doesn't have to become a big legal debate. I think to solve the problem is all the parties should get together, look at arranging a date early in, in 2016, and that he then remain under house arrest until that date, and uh, you know, then the whole sentence uh, commences again. And once that is concluded, depending on whatever sentence is imposed, well, then he'd have to, you know, if it's direct imprisonment, he would be back in prison serving the sentence, unless his lawyers take that finding uh, on appeal to the Supreme Court of Appeal. In other words, the finding pertaining to the severity of the sentence. And just a quick one here from one of our listeners, Joyce, who says, please ask Mr. Booth, uh, since Oscar Pistorius' conviction has now been changed to murder, um, how would this affect the case of, say, Jube Jube, uh, whose appeal to a lesser sentence after Oscar Pistorius' charge has now been changed? Well, look, you know, that's a different process. Every case has to be determined on its own merits. And what, what is said by the Supreme Court of Appeal with regard to the concept of Dolus Eventualis does set precedent. I mean, this concept has been, uh, you know, uh, d- debated at length in many previous cases, and there have been rulings made already. So, you know, each case is, is decided differently. You have the law and you have the facts of each specific case. So, you know, precedents are set. So, you know, Jujube case is different. 
uh, you know, changes were made from murder to culpable homicide. Here you've got culpable homicide has been changed to one of murder, which is, as we know, far more serious uh, offence. And also the minimum sentences, sentencing laws now come into operation, which wasn't the case when he was sentenced for culpable homicide. Well, thank you so much, uh, William Booth, a criminal law expert. We're delving deeper into the world of mining and engineering from the coalface with Martin Creamer on AM Live. And it's that time again on a Friday when AM Live presents another update from the coalface with uh, Martin Creamer, publishing editor of Engineering News and Mining Weekly. Welcome, Martin. Thank you, Sakina. Now, there's huge concern growing over the delay of South African government to approve the second phase of the Lesotho Highlands water scheme. What's going on there? Yeah, this delay is causing concern. And even if they take a decision now, the water will only come to Gauteng in 2024. Now, you know, originally the date was 2020. So, is this going to be this, a repeat of what we did with electricity? You know, are we going to run into this problem? And it is concerning not only South Africans, but also people from Lesotho, because I understand that they are, they've asked for a chat with some of the parliamentarians, you know, to, to find out what is going on. Why is this delay? Now, that's quite an odd thing to do. Obviously, they want the Portfolio Committee to put some pressure on the minister. It does behove the minister to go in with a plan and say, this is what it's going to cost, and go to the finance minister and say, these are the consequences. But the cabinet needs to take a decision because if there is a, a drought like we're having now in 2018, 2020, there is going to be a shortage of water here where we are. This has serious uh, implications. So, you know, the tariff side of it is also important. Start getting people prepared to the rise in tariff for the water. Now, with the, you know, the first phase of the Lesotho Highland Scheme, and we're talking about the second phase that needs to be given the go-ahead, there was no real uh, concern around the tariff because it was gradually brought up, and by the time the water came in, people were used to the tariff. Now, this needs to be repeated uh, with the Lesotho Highland second phase. Uh, and so, but you've got to get a lot of uh, parties and moving parts to get the act together, you know, including the, the you know, Rand Water to make mm. sure that these tariffs. Th- this is a tricky treaty that has to be signed. There's a treaty involved between the two countries, but it has been done before. There's also a situation where Lesotho does the procurement and we pay. So, you know, there, there, there are a lot of things like that that need to be ta- spoken about. But. These long-term decisions must be taken, not only for Gauteng. We're talking now Lesotho for Gauteng and the provinces that affect it, but Durban, you know, we have that situation towards the north of Durban. Now where demand is growing, they're trying to decide, are we going to have this? There's a lot of water in Uncamas, but do we give a uh, go ahead to a pipeline plus a dam, which is quite costly, or do we have uh, you know desalination, which if there's a drought, that will sure cause tariffs to to rocket. So you know the the, the balance of probabilities has got to be weighed up on these long term things. The decisions have to be taken now, otherwise we're going to be running mm. into trouble. Same with Cape Town. You know, are they going to use that wastewater that now goes into the sea? Are they going to use the water that they've discovered uh, 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 through drilling uh, boreholes underground underground water, or are they going to desalinate? You know, so all these decisions have to be taken and proposals must go to the cabinet. And, and that is the job of the minister. Mm. But I see the mining industry that has also shrunk alarmingly and is now smaller than it was in 1994. Yeah, talking about the, you know, the mining industry uh, in the six months to, to June, uh, 
it had an aggregated loss of uh, 13 billion rand. The next six months, it looks like it's going to lose even more because, you know, the prices that they've been fetching are down. And it has shrunk to a position where it's smaller than in 1994. And this has been put out, you know, by the chamber. And again, it affects other sectors, you know, because the regulatory framework has been very harsh on the mining industry. They've shrunk. They, they've got so many commitments now. They don't know where they're coming or going. The, imp- the impact spreads because it's the flywheel of the economy. It feeds the other industry. So you get that slowdown going through. Yet there is this big opportunity because, you know, we know that mining uh, is essential for the modern world. Mm. You, know, you know, you pick up your smartphone. It's got, uh, um, it's got all sorts of metals and minerals. It's got copper in it. It's got platinum in it. It's got gold in it. It's got silver. You know, if you brush your teeth, you know, you need the silica. You need the phosphates. You need. So there is this huge opportunity. But we need a friendlier and enabling environment from government. And I'm sure you'll talk to us more about this next week. Uh, Martin Kremer, publishing editor of Engineering News and Mining Weekly. And he'll be back with another edition of At the Coalface, same time next Friday. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Top stories at 8 o'clock. Call on government.